Hello and welcome to Better Under Pressure. I'm Sarah Milne-Rowe, author of The Shed Method and founder of Coaching Impact. And in this podcast, I talk to leaders from all walks of life about being better under pressure and using pressure for better. I want to explore how we handle pressure in a world that is becoming more and more complex, the impact that that pressure has on our ability to perform at our best and what we do to be better under pressure. That was hard. Never done that before. My goodness. You know, 2008, I think it was. And the world changed. And it was like, right, everybody's got to go. We've got to cut this company in half. You're like, what? How do you do that? I don't even know how to do that. I've only ever lived in times of boom. Now we're in a time of stress and that's pressure. So you've got to let, I don't know, 400 people go within the next three months. What? Today, I'm in conversation with Tacita Small founder of The Small HR Company, an HR consultancy that supports businesses within the creative and entertainment industries with all aspects of HR and people needs. As a senior HR leader, Tacita worked in-house for over two decades with many instantly recognisable brands such as Westfield, Ralph & Russo, Apple, Ministry of Sound, Fremantle and BBC Worldwide, to name a few. Focusing this amalgamation of experience, Tacita started a consultancy that brings modern and creative HR practices to businesses in various ways. Retained HR, additional HR support and projects. She set her company up in 2019 and along with her amazing associates, Tacita has supported many organisations in TV, film, theatre, music, publishing and creative agencies. Projects have included direct HR support on global TV series and films, organisational design, and restructure within both contracting and expanding companies, as well as the delivery of learning and development programmes for workers of all levels, both in person and via their micro-learning product. In our conversation, Tacita shares why she's happy answering emails on the beach, the uncomfortable pressure of not being herself, and what her son said that ignited her desire to set up her business. Jacita, thank you so much for joining me on Better Under Pressure. Thank you very much for inviting me. Oh, I'm excited. So Jacita, <laughs> where should we start on pressure? Let's start with, first of all, how, how do you recognise pressure? I recognise pressure as a feeling. So mm-hmm. when it's almost like a bubbling pot, so something's happening and it's getting harder, um, and that's when I start to feel pressure. So it could be me trying to achieve something, get something done, I'm against the clock. Um, and I start to feel as though this may not be going as smoothly as I would like. Um, the hurdles or bumps in the road are showing up frequently or immediately, and then I feel it. And it comes out in a number of ways. It comes <laughs> out through a change in my emotion, a change in my tone, a change in my behaviour, there might be more urgency. I sometimes have lack of sleep. So when I know that I'm under a lot of pressure, my sleep goes. And I always say something, I'm not sleeping. You're under pressure. I know one of the first things to go. Um, So it shows up in my body and it shows up in my mind. It makes me think differently as well. It's okay. It's just a way of thinking and a way of being. So it can be good, but it can also have a, a profound impact on me. I'm not going to say it's bad because I don't think all pressure is bad, but it shows up in different ways. Yes, and so that I mean that's interesting, isn't it? When when you recognise that the pressure actually is good, and it's it's it sounds like it's much more um, 
galvanizing for you when it's when it's a yes. good pressure but also what you're describing there is when it actually tips into something that impacts your sleep you feel it yes. very physically uh, yes. it impacts your behavior yes. and all sorts of stuff that's going on yeah yes. so how do you recognize when it's tipped to something that is positive for you into something that what's the first sign for you to Sita? I think that's these are such good questions. I think the first sign for me is I I I have my own plan for everything. I say how I think it's gonna go, and that's my roadmap, that's my go-to, that's exactly how I think in my life it should happen. Yeah. And then when it doesn't go that way, it's like, whoop, hang on a minute, no, okay, turn left, still not going the way I want, turn right. Why isn't it going my way? And that feels like pressure because I think things should just always be easy. Um, right. That's my default is it's easy. Oh, don't worry about it. And when it doesn't, the slightest thing doesn't necessarily throw me off, but if I try and navigate something and it's still not the way I envisaged it to be, envisaged it to be um, that's where I feel a little bit of pressure. Yeah. And then that can build to make you push through the wall or it can build and the wall just builds and I'm trying to you know, get through to get the result that I'm trying to achieve. Okay, so it sounds like when you've, that's interesting that you, your default is this is gonna be easy. I love yeah. that. I wish that was my default. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a really interesting default, you know, like this is gonna be easy. And and that easiness comes from you having a plan. Is that right? It comes from my disposition. It's a plan, definitely. Okay. But I just think things should be simple. I just do. and. People said I oversimplify, you know, I just don't think anything is complex unless you're, you know, a doctor or you know, a brain surgeon, maybe surgeon, maybe surgery is a bit, bit more. Like that. But I'm not building a plane and my job isn't about things that I think are very difficult. Yeah. So it's what I find easy, others find difficult, but I just think everything should be simple and easy. And I think the world overcomplicates a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So my disposition is Oh, okay, um, I'm going to start a business. Be easy, okay, it'll be fine. And then you get into it, you're like, hang on a minute, what's going on? What's going on? This isn't what yeah. they said it would be like on, on social media. Um, so, yeah, my disposition is this should be easy. And then that's a good or a bad thing because maybe I don't show up as prepared as I should be. Maybe I don't show up in the way that others wouldn't, and that's successful for them. So I have learned to adapt my behaviour. My natural disposition is, it's gonna be fine great who taught you that no one it's just me I think I'm an anomaly in my family um always been that way it's wow. just I don't know anything different gosh I I I, really, I think that's such a gift to have that as a disposition that to, to see that everything is going to be easy um so so when so let's go back a bit and understand yeah. when do you when did you first when did you first experience pressure and how did you start to play with this mindset of this has got to be easy? I mean, I, I'm quite interested in that combination to see, to take us back to, to a moment which might sh explain that a little bit further for us. Okay, I'm going to try and break it down. You might need to repeat the question. When thinking about this question, I was really trying to dig deep and find out when did I first feel pressure? And I think the first time I felt pressure was when I was doing my 11 plus. So... Mm trying to get into the school that my parents thought would be the right school for me, needed an, an exam. And I didn't do as well as I thought I would do. Or as well as they thought I would do. I think I did okay what <laughs> yes. they did. And the school obviously didn't think I did very well either. So I didn't get into that school. 
um, got into another school. But the pressure where everyone's kind of looking at you to, to succeed and to do well, and it's ex there's an expectation, definitely in my family, oh, you'll, you, you'll do well, or you should do well, you're supposed to do well. And that might be because I'm a first generation um, born in this country and I've got my parents who are not from here and they're like, you've got all the opportunity in the world, we came here for you, you know, got all this, mm. and that's kind of the pressure is, yeah. okay, you had a great time at primary, at primary school, all the fun in the world, now it gets serious, you do well at secondary, get your exams and go on and go on. I think that's where it kind of felt like, oh, the world isn't as, you know, friendly or as fluffy or as kind as, as, as I like to live in it um it's competitive out there and as a 10 year old um doing those exams I felt that and that didn't feel nice mm. so you could say that that experience doesn't produce a mindset that this has got to be easy or if you did have that mindset that this has got to be easy that blew it out the water a little bit yes. so how did you yes. hang on to that as you've grown older and as you realise yeah. that you're in much more a competitive um, environment than you had anticipated or certainly your parents had anticipated. Yeah, yeah. I think that I, I you know, let's fast forward to when I started in the world of work. I've never deviated from being my personality, which is that default, this should be easy. So I then navigated the world of work with some pressure, but by maybe helping others to reduce theirs to match me as opposed to going to match them in their state of pressure so where we've got really tough situations um you know and working in the world of hr we're dealing with people at work so it can be anything from you know mass redundancies or organizational design or you know pay rises it could be anything it's tricky stuff i've always looked at it from a point of you guys are going to put a lot of pressure around the situation how can i not and be different from you so I've used that as my superpower to kind of turn everything around in the room. And I think that's why I have had the journey that I've had is because I don't look at the same as everybody else. But I, but I understand and recognise when it's happening and almost go out of my way to not do the same as others. Because if we're all, you know, acting in, in weird ways under pressure, and I say weird ways, ways of other people, if I join that group, there's not going to be any difference. And I've always wanted to kind of be a bit different and that's not me. Um, and that's what I've done. So I understand when it's there, you know, I'm that person that thinks, oh my gosh, how are we going to do this? I've been through some really big situations in my life in relation to work. And when I find myself feeling that, oh, this is really, really tough, I'll pause, not consciously, and say, why am I feeling like this? Come on, turn it around. And then be the person in the room that tries to make it a bit better. Yeah, there's so many things in that. I'm really struck with the first statement, I think you said, which is I just... I think you said something like, I'm, I just need to be me or, yeah. or it is who I am. Um, and I think that whole idea of how do you bring your whole self to work? How do you step into your, what you called your superpower, which it sounds like is recognizing a situation and really managing other people's pressure so that they can start to find the way in of solution and yeah. ease maybe. Yeah. Definitely. Um, how how did you learn that it was okay to bring well, maybe it wasn't okay to bring your whole self to work but you know, how did you play, tell us more about what do you do with that Tosita it's it was never cool when I started working to bring your whole self to work it just wasn't you you turned up to work the way they wanted you to you dressed the way that they wanted you to you fit in you're a chameleon um 
And I definitely have traits of that within me, but within a safe confines of maybe my department or having great leaders around me, I was allowed to just be me. Um, and that's, not everybody has that, but also I couldn't be anybody else. So where I haven't been able to maybe fit in or, or be like the environment, I would have removed myself from that environment. I would have found another avenue to go down, um, to not be around that situation because that feels like an uncomfortable pressure where you can't be yourself, where you can't, you know, whatever it is for you, um, speak the way you want to speak, dress the way you want to dress, be allowed to have your own thought process through things, be allowed to take time or speed up, you know, that if that doesn't feel right, I've, I've made myself aware of that very quickly and then looked for an avenue outside of that. So it's really cool. Last few years, yeah, bring your whole self to work. No, that's like 2020, we started doing that. In my career, back in the, you know, the, the noughties, the nineties, that was unheard of. But, you know, if you used to speak to people that worked with me earlier in my, my career, they'll say, you haven't changed. So nice. quite fortunate to have just turned up and been me. I think oh. that I've chosen an environment or chosen a career and chosen coming to work with that allowed that. I know what I'm not. I know where I'll be unhappy. And that's why I've kind of managed it slightly, I think. I know, no, I know, I know what I'm not, what I can and can't do. Yeah. So how do you? It sounds like you've got some very strong antennae that reaches mm. into any potential opportunity, and it has a little bit of a test of. I mean, some of the questions that you might ask yourself around how do you, how do you recognise that you've got a place here where you can turn up and be yourself and play your mm -hmm. best self. What mm -hmm. can, do you have these antennae? How? I mean, have you ever made a mistake with that? How? How? Oh, yes. Examples. <laughs> oh, yes. I've, I've worked for companies that I thought would be me. This is me. I'm home and walked up to work and thought, no, this is the opposite of me. I, I don't like it here. They're not accepting me for who I am. They said they would, but they don't really. They like the picture of me, but not the actual me. So that has definitely not worked in my favour. But I've also, you know, within the world of work, I think I've got okay intuition I never want to say I've got great intuition I know what I'm doing because that will you know slap me in the face next week but I think I do know what serves me well and I think I can read that in others without you know using those of different personality models and profiling there's something in me and I'm so fortunate to have found a career that plays to my strengths it's people I just get people um so without doing all of that stuff I've been allowed to or found a way to build a career that suits my character yeah so if there's someone listening to this thinking I feel that pressure you know I feel the pressure that actually for me to succeed in this organization or with this group of people or with this team I have to adapt and that might obviously that's a choice and you may absolutely choose to adapt and I'm sure there have been moments in your growth where you've chosen to adapt yes. in order to grow yes but yes, what's the barometer for you what give me a specific example if you can of how how do you hold on to that or when has someone pushed you not to and how have you recognized that and found a different way such a good question so mm. I'm, at a, I'm, at a, I'm in a job and I'm there for a couple of years and I'm doing an, I think an amazing job but it's very challenging and I'm feeling a lot of pressure more than I should I believe anyway looking back in reflection more than I should and it's going into you know weekend 
working, working on holiday, doing way too much, but I'm passionate, I care. And I care about the people that I serve within the community that I work within. I wanna make sure that they are having a good work experience. So I'm doing extra and managing relationships. Tipping point is where, you know, that's taken for granted. So I will give you 100%. But when I can see that actually that's been taken for granted or that's being misused, mm-hmm. that makes me then resent the fact that I'm giving you everything and actually you're not recognised that I'm giving. And it, you, know, you turn up to work, it's a relationship between two people, an employer and an employee. You have to show up with your 50% like they show up with their 50 to make the contracts work or the relationship work. And it became too much. Um, and I was working and I think it was Easter Sunday I'm working Easter Sunday and I've got the dinner going and I've got my laptop open on, and it's just a lot it's too much I shouldn't be doing this but I care and I think my boss was abroad on holiday but I was working and they were messaging me I think it's Easter Sunday I was like you know what I'm showing up this is what success looks like I'm, I'm, I'm here I'm, I'm at the table and I was just not in a great space and my youngest son came in and said to me what's wrong I said oh, work and you know snappy short and he said to me, why don't you just resign? And the biggest light bulb came on. And I was like, yeah, why am I putting myself under this amount of pressure, this situation? It's not me. Um, they're not appreciating or understanding that, that what I'm putting into this for the organization. And I said, thank you so much. I took my resignation letter and closed the laptop. I didn't send it. <laughs> I had it there for a while. But that for me was about what's happening here where I'm showing up as me, I'm giving you everything as I will always do. I don't expect you to have anything less from me than everything. But there's a mismatch. My giving everything doesn't equal you taking the make. It doesn't equal you just being blasé. It doesn't equal you being rude or all that stuff. And I said, okay, I'm going to stop there. So there's been situations like that um, where the pressure's, been not matched I've not felt right in the organization I'm showing up as me which has always worked um because when you hire me you you hire me and I'm very open and honest about who I am so there are no um no qualms no questions you know what you're getting when you hire me and you get somebody in your family telling you a truth truth. nothing more powerful hey yeah and not just in that moment, most probably for him, a long time before that, just not being me at home, which is, you know, my work is my life. It always has been. I don't necessarily have this thing where it's like a work life. It's just my life and within mm-hmm. that I work. And so I'm happiest doing an email on the beach. That is amazing to me. That's like, oh, yeah, it just so that. Wow. It's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. I know that. But I'm, I'm happy to, to just work because I love my job. I'm passionate about people, passionate about the businesses that I work with. So I'm happy with that. But at that point, I need to kind of say, okay, this isn't working out for me. Yeah. Oh, it got me thinking when Tacita said, I love opening emails on the beach. I found myself thinking, I sort of get that. Sometimes, particularly as a founder, touching base with what's happening can be energizing, even on holiday. In fact, disconnecting completely can sometimes feel even more pressurizing because of what I might return to when I reconnect. I'm not saying that this is always the case when I'm on holiday, but it's a choice I sometimes make. I've never really been a fan of the phrase work-life balance. Firstly, because it distinguishes life from work. And secondly, the word balance feels pressurizing. Balance implies equal weight. I'm not sure I've ever had equal weight. It's more about how the many parts of our life fit together in a way that works for us and those we love. 
integration rather than balance. At different times in our lives, we place our energy out in different places for different reasons. In my mind, it's always moving or prioritizing different things at different times rather than being balanced and always a choice. So helpful to, to understand how you hold on to your truth and who you are in a situation and bold enough to be able to know when the boundaries have been crossed. crossed. Yeah, and I think back to your question, like how, what can you tell somebody or what can I tell them? I've got spidey senses, yes, I've got an antennae. Does it always work well for me? Not always. In that situation, I think I could have made that decision a bit earlier than, you know, Easter Sunday. But if you can identify who you are, really who you are, as soon as you can, you can cut away the things that are not for you. You can remove them. And that could be department, role, job, industry. If you know you don't fit there, don't put yourself in that situation. I think that's what I've done. I've only wanted to be happy you know, I'm a glass half full type of person. I've got this really sunny disposition. So unhappiness, however it shows up for me, is not where I want to be. And unhappiness means unnecessary pressure about things that I don't care about, unnecessary mm. pressure at things that don't matter to me. Um, and that's been discovery. Mm. But it's always been there. I mean, I've been able to articulate it when I was 21, but I'm doing the similar things when I was 21 as I am today yeah choosing my situation yes and you know you mentioned something there about know who you are I think that's such a massive question isn't it because we move we change we we grow we we le we oh, we learn we get challenged we discover something new about ourselves H how do you check in with knowing who you are I knew this would be like therapy <laughs> <laughs> well I just think I, I, I sort of think I think it's such an these things are bashed about aren't they or just know who you are and but I think what is the skill yeah. what is the practice of checking in to know who you are and what you stand for I mean do you have a set of principles do you have a set of personal values and now that you've set up your own company which we'll come to in in, in a minute to see do you know how how have you yeah. how have you banked what is fundamentally important to you and, in, and as a consequence, presumably know more about who you are. Yeah, I think earlier on in my career, I identified that I wanted to work with companies that I liked. Right. And whenever someone comes to you for career advice, I always say, what do you like? What interests you? Then whatever it is you want to do, go and work in a company like that, because then you'll care. So what I've identified a bit early on, by accident maybe, is work somewhere that you are passionate about the product. I'm such a big believer of happiness. Mm. Um, when I used to talk about that in my earlier jobs, I'd be surrounded by people who were not interested in happiness. Their happiness came from maybe their home life or their partner or their children or the dogs, whatever at home. My happiness was my whole being. So I had to always be happy. If I'm not smiling, something's wrong. But it's important. So if you talk about like core values and what matters, fairness, trust, transparency, or, but happiness at your core is when you do your best work. Yeah. Happiness can come when you're under pressure as well because it's like, oh, let's get this, let's get this. But it has to, it gives me, and I can feel it now, you know, ooh, mm. it's a feeling, it's like a radiation and it 
Yes. Again, it sounds it sounded wishy washy in the nineties that and the early noughties and you know, now it's like all everybody wants to do. I'm like, yeah, I've been doing that. Yeah, and it sounds like happiness is very linked to your purpose, actually, as well. To you know, everything you've just described, there is find an organization that actually matches something you care about, that that you value. And it was when you were talking about all of that, you sort of lit up and <laughs> you could feel you could I mean, I can feel um the, the energy, strength right? of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's important. So if I can find in someone what makes them light up, that's do that, just do that, because that feeling of lighting up <clears throat> is contagious. So whenever mm. I've led teams, I've been in teams, and I can think I can say this quite confidently, that's my role within the teams. I'm going to tap into what makes you happy and ignite that within you because then you're going to do your great work. And even when we're under in moments of pressure, you know, we've been under, I've done some really um, difficult things in my in my time as a HR director or a HR manager. You know? If you talk about like, you know, the first <clears throat> credit crunch and, the, and, the, and the, the, the crash that happened and the amount of people that I had to let go as, as a particular company had to let go at one time. That was hard. Never done that before. My goodness. Um, you know, 2008, I think it was. Yes. And the world changed. And it was like, right. Everybody's got to go. We've got to cut this company in half. You're like, what? How do you do that? I don't even know how to do that. I've only ever lived in times of boom. Now we're in a time of stress and that's pressure. So you've got to let, I don't know, 400 people go within the next three months. What? You want to be on a team that does that? I don't want to do that. That's not happiness. I can't. That's that's awful. That's the opposite of me. That's making people unhappy. What do we do? We have to find a way to do this with dignity. We have to make, have, make this happen for those people. They understand it's not them it's the it's something we have to do but don't do it in a way that makes them feel less than because they have to be able to go on and that was my part and role in the room I believe was to say okay let's do this and it was hard yeah it was very hard but I could still be me in that moment and it wasn't about taking light of that moment at all it was about recognizing the pressure that and the part that I had to play in delivering this message doing this work supporting my managers that were emotional um you know seeing grown men cry you know oh my what's going on people on the other end of the table having to you know go home to their families and say this really bad news the world was going through it but I had to find a way to turn that pressure into okay how do we make this into a positive for everybody and look after as many people here as we can through this again showing up as me under a lot of pressure yeah and if you had one thing that you learned through that process to see to around how do you stay true in those tricky and difficult conversations in a way that makes you feel like you're doing what you need to do in a dignified I love that word you use in a dignified fashion mm-hmm. how did you stay solid to that pressure so for me I think there's two things there and I've had to do similar exercises since there's me and my team and how we are going to get through this because I'm part of this team. I'm going to be the one that's going to support you to maybe you've never been this, through this before. You've never done this exercise. We're going to make sure it's crystal clear and transparent. So you have now this skill, you know, which is a skill to yeah. go on and use again, that you have a good experience in this, even though you're delivering the bad news. That's one role is to make sure my team are, are in a good place, taking away any stress and pressures from them and absorbing yep. that for me. Um, and then I've got the other facing, which is the business. So I might be working with the CFO, the CEO, the leaders, and they 
can take what my team can't. So I'm going to make sure I stand up for my team to those people around how we're going to do it, when we're going to do it. I'll have the big blurry arguments with those guys and absorb that so my team don't feel that pressure because that's what they should do. And it's about ensuring that not only are my team okay, but the employees that we're sending this message to are okay, that they're getting that the right message. I'm them in the room. I'm going to be the voice of that person to make sure that people in the room are listening. It's very easy when you're in senior position and you're in a senior team to forget everybody that's outside of that room. It's so easy. I've seen it done time and time again. Talk about people as though they're numbers. Talk about people as though they're not people. They're not humans with lives. It's really easy to do that. Just where it's flippant, you know, you get to a certain level of role or title, you own a certain amount of money. You forget the people who have got you there are the people that are not in that room. The people who you are serving are not in that room. The people who are looking and hanging on to your every word are not in that room. But yet still in that room, you forget about them. It makes no sense to me. So that's how I show up in that moment. So I'm hearing in there a really strong skill of yours, Tosita, to, to get into other people's shoes to help you manage the pressure, the personal pressure that you're under in buoying your team and being very clear with your um, leaders. Yeah. I'm hearing that the way you navigate that pressure is to get out of your head and into the lives of the other people that you're representing. That's my role. I, I really believe that is my role. And in the role of a human resources professional, I'm there because of the humans in the business. I'm there because I, I, I've said to someone, I get this, I know how to do this. I can't walk into a room and forget about those people. And neither should anybody else. And I think you know, that whole showing up to work as your whole self, I think some of that comes from my background. I mentioned it earlier about, you know, my mum and my dad coming to this country, but also my grandparents. If I look at what my grandparents have been through, and everyone's got a story about, you know, resilience and tenacity, all this stuff. Mm. It's so live for me. I lived it. I grew my grandma and my mum and my dad raised me. So, you know, I lived with my mum and my grandma. Dad was, you know, always in my life. Um, very, you know, huge role model. I've got strong aunts and uncles. But the realness of what they've had to go through is something that I wear on my sleeve, on my face, everywhere, you know, three or four jobs, low paid, raising seven or eight kids, no money, having to get a mortgage with no money, the bank's not wanted to give them. There's so many stories in my family that I'm told daily, yeah. <laughs> daily, 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 that, that, that spur me on to be that, that person in the room, you know. I've never been allowed to forget, you know, that my grandma had three jobs and six kids. And her husband had just died when she got to this country. It, all this stuff. Yeah. But I'm reminded constantly that Desita, you're showing up as yourself when you're lucky to be able to do that because my mum wasn't and my grandma's weren't. So um, yes. I'm that person in the room. Yeah, gosh, I love that. I mean, you're radiating this purpose energy. And it reminds me, I've said this before, but we did this project in a an all-girls school just before COVID around pressure. Mm. And it was the year 11, and the head said, Listen, this is not about content for these girls. This is about them managing the execution of examinations, really, and the build up to that and everything that goes with it. And we work with 12 girls as a pilot group. And we work with the whole year, but we work with 12 girls as a pilot group to understand a little bit more about their lives and what mattered to them. And so many of them, to see, to said, when we were talking about how purpose energy could help them get through this you know tricky three to four months 
Um, so many of them said, actually, I'm taking these exams for my grandma or I'm taking my yeah. these exams for my aunt or my, and, yeah. you know, who sent me here with yeah. huge ambition to be, to yeah. be better, to make more of my life than they felt they could. And that yeah. was such a strong story in the room for these girls. And we tried to help them really mm. tap into that so that when they felt the pressure of, you know, you've got 10 minutes left on the exam or whatever, they could, they could bring something to mind, like you were saying, you wear you wear it on your sleeves. They could bring something to yeah. mind that that ha- that got them out of their own head and their own pressure, and what into a yeah. bigger cause or a a bigger sense yeah. of purpose. And you remind me very much of that listening to you now. And you know, just to just to kind of maybe blow that a bit out of the water, I didn't really do the greatest in my exams. I didn't go to university. There's all these things that I should have done, but I almost rebelled against because the pressure was a lot. But I wanted to be happy. I wanted to be successful, but I wanted to be happy. And I just thought, if I go that way, that's not me. That's that's not the road. That's the road you want for me. I want this road, which is also success. Well, we the roads will cross the same path, but let me do it my way. So my children. Go and be happy. Do what you like. What do you want to play computer games? Go and be a computer games designer. Like you know, yeah. back then that would never have been go do this, do finance, be in business. It was not that for me. So it's funny how the world has turned. And do you think with your just going to your children for a second, Sita, do you do you think yeah. it's a different pressure for them than you had? The jobs that my children will have have not been invented yet, so they're fine. Mm-hmm. And that to the old me sounds like a cop-out. Do what you want. It's fine. They're, they're going to be okay. Trust your parenting to see to it's going to be okay. The world will work it out in the end, but I'm trying not to worry with them. Do what yeah. you want. Yeah, that's very admirable. <laughs> she says, as I think you about know my own parenting. <laughs> I know, and, and I laugh, and I'm like, just trust yourself, trust the process. And it's almost like a, an experiment. So my parents did this with me, and it turns out that way. Yes. I'm going to do this, and my husband's going to do this with them, and let's see what happens. But what's important to me over and above everything else is their happiness. And you know what? They've got me and their dad as parents. They're fine. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So so from somebody who didn't want to be an entrepreneur, whose parents yeah. were both entrepreneurs, and you said, no, I'm going to yes. go into these big organizations and I'm going to you know, have my purpose within that. Tell us why you decided to jump into entrepreneurship and set up your own company and what sort of pressure lies when you are a founder. Speaking as another founder. So I knew maybe about 10, 15 years ago, when I think when I ran the time of my second child and um, coming into the world, that I didn't want to do this forever. Mm-hmm. What's my, I, I always knew it was a ceiling for me in the world of work back in the early 2000s. I'm going to get to a point where I can't earn anymore and I can't climb anymore because people like me don't sit in those seats that was a a reality of mine Mm. back then so I'm going to need to find a way because I like success I like um business to do this in a way that I can be the level at which I wanted to be and that level was just being able to command and share me to those that wanted to hear sounds a little bit arrogant maybe but I know that I've got something good here so how do I do that when I'm not allowed to be at the table or they're not going to even interview me for the roles that I want to go for I'm too young you know I'm a black female there's all these things that are very real for me so what do I do I say okay well you know what I'm going to do I'm going to keep going until I'm not happy anymore try a few more new roles and then maybe do some freelancing that's what I thought I'd do 
in HR, it's very cyclical. So you're always going around in this 12 month or 24 month cycle around what's going to happen in an organization, which when you've done it 21 times, it kind of feels samey. So how do I just go in, give them what they need and walk away before the politics kicks in? Mm-hmm. It'll be fine. This is 2019 when the world was still, the world that we knew. It's going to be fine. I'm going to go contracting. So in my notice period, I start to contact agencies. You know, I'll be free soon. Like, well, contact us when you're free. I'm like, no, I'm contacting you now so you can line something up because I've never been out of a job. Never since I've been 18, I've never been out of a job. Like, no, no, contact. I said, no, I can't be out of, but I've already resigned. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. I didn't even understand that. That's typical me. La, 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 la. Oh, hands on the notice. I'm going to get, I'm going to go contracting. It's going to be good. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be happy. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? I have to wait until September. To, but then I won't have, like, I was like, okay, pacing, pacing, right? I'm going to tell everybody that I'm leaving. So in my notice period, I started speaking to lots of um, clients and um, people that worked with these vendors. And some said, so I'm leaving in a couple of months. I said, what are you leaving? Oh my God, what are you going to do? I'm going to go and do some freelancing. What? Could you come and do some work for us? I'm like, really? Like, yeah, like, this is what we need. Put proposals together. And we want, we want to work with you. We like working with you. Like, okay, did it. They said, can you come up and maybe spend some time with our CEO, have a chat, tell her what you want to do. Okay, cool. Come and do a program for us, 12-week program. You design it, do what you want. This is what you want. We, we, we like the way you work. And that's how it happened. So right. I then got that contract for myself, had 12 weeks worth of work. Woohoo. Okay, that takes me to December. I can breathe now go on holiday in August, come back. I set up my limited company. I get an accountant because I don't like the numbers bit of the business. And I start designing my program. I get a little chair and I sit in my business and I'm like, got myself a laptop, a little secondhand laptop, and I just start. But whilst I'm doing that 12-week program, I'm meeting people, I'm networking, I'm pressing the flesh, I'm going to events. I'm just trying to see how do I get another contract when this ends? Yeah. Somebody said, can you do this for me? Somebody, And then by Christmas, I had two or three contracts I'm like oh this is really good what if I got someone to help me with this and actually started maybe looking at an associate model or a partnership model and the work just started to come in like that so I'm an accidental entrepreneur I meant in 2019 to go and do some contracting but what I did work out in that in those 12 weeks is actually I'd love to be able to give businesses me and again I know that sounds really arrogant but I'm good at what I do I know I am and I'm good at conversation I'm good at people so if I can spread this out a little bit and spend good periods of time with founders with HR departments and just give them a bit of what I know and that's a job that's a company yeah let's do that and that's how it started brilliant I, I just want to say, I think we've got to stop apologising for being arrogant, Sita. Yes, like, you know, not, we, maybe I'm not, I'm not using the right word. It's not arrogance. It's confidence. Good. So, but don't apologise for being confident. Good. It's great. Yeah, no, I won't apologise. Yeah. yeah. It's confident. And, and, and actually what I'm hearing is a continuous sort of theme all the way through your life of you step in, you play full out, you stay thinking it's easy. And lo and behold, what happens is it just rolls in. Yeah, and, and, and I work out in on the journey, it's not easy. It's really bloody hard, but, but it's fun. So that fun bit goes back to my happiness. I get fun from the weirdest places in the world of work. I'm like, 
How can we turn it on its head? How can we make it different? How can we make it simple? Why do we keep going around the circle trying to overcomplicate this, 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 this department that we're in? We are a department that understand or, or, or profess to understand humans a little bit better than finance, a little bit better than marketing, a little bit better than sales. That's what we say we do on the tin. So why do we have to keep changing our title, changing our department, changing our focus? Hmm. The people bit. All we do is the people bit. And that's what I turn up and say, we just do the people bit. And that's fun for me. And that's fun for the people that I work with. So yeah, yeah. it's not an arrogance or, you know, it's a confidence. It's a confidence and it's a confidence in in your belief of what matters to you. And I think when we, st- well, yeah. personally, I think when we play in the space that matters to us, it's okay. It's good. In fact, it's better yeah. than okay. Things happen yeah. yes. um, because people recognize that. So is and there pressure think... in yeah. this found as a founder? Tisita? Yes. And the word founder, I play with that word all the time. I'm not. Am I, I, I didn't find anything I, and I, I put it on sometimes on LinkedIn like, what should I call myself I'm yet to find a title that matches me because I think founder sounds like really big and like almost you're a founder like, what did I find I just did what I do best and that's that humility bit that sometimes come out and like, I'm just doing what I know how to do but no I'm a founder I'm going to step into the space as a founder of a business I'm exploring new parts of my mind that I didn't know existed I'm exploring new types of pressure that I didn't know existed because I'm not just showing up, getting my check, doing my thing and going home. I'm now looking for leads, speaking to people that come forward and say they want my support and help. People that don't know me are like, can I trust you? Who are you? Why do you think you're good at this? So everyone approaches me either with suspicion of, you think you're good at this let me see how good you actually really are or I've heard you're amazing can you help me and that's also a pressure so I approach this world of work this this company with the bit that I can do easy in my in my sleep okay it's all the other bits that I find the pressure the newness I haven't yet got a cycle of what my business is you know I started in 2019 six months before the pandemic the pandemic showed everybody up for who they are at work or they didn't want to be at work and there's so many things that we could go into around the people piece of work and COVID globally but for me it showed up in business exploded because we're talking about people at work yeah two years later three years later the world is now not going back to what it was before but it's just evolving faster than it ever has done you know been in this world for nearly three decades and the first 25 years of that were the same very samey same structures same hierarchy same companies everybody did everything the same social media comes into play the world of business changes the demographic of the audience changes you've got now millennials you've now got gen z boomers and gen x aren't listening to as much you know to listen to these new people coming through it just changed in the last 10 years and in five years it just really sped up. So post-COVID, I don't know what normal looks like. Mm. I'm yet to discover, and maybe I won't know. And when I say normal, I don't mean like old normal or even calling it new normal. I don't know what my business patterns are, which is a little bit scary. I don't know who my clients necessarily all are because I don't think the majority of my clients have even found me yet. Um, I'm working in my sweet spot, which is, you know, HR for the entertainment industry and the creative industries. And I purposely wanted to work for those places because that's where I'm happy. Yeah. So again, 
choosing to work with industries that make me happy, where I can show up dressed as me, speak like me, and not be looked at like an alien. They're the places that I want to be. So I've chosen those areas. Was that the right thing to do? I don't know. We're going to find out. But I think it is because I'm doing okay. But we're only like nearly four, four, year, four five years in. Yeah. It's scary. It's, it, 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 it's scary. So founder world, and I'm sure you feel the same, is very different to employee world. But for so many, so many things and so many reasons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah feels like a whole new chapter that's that's taking place yeah. at a completely different speed. I love your point about what is the new, I don't think anything will be normal for very long. You know, it's everything is constantly moving and shifting. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the, where the tide used to turn maybe every 20 years, I was watching something about generations and every 20 years and it went to 10 years. It feels like it's every two minutes at the moment yeah. and that's hard. But, yeah. but, yeah. but, but you know, I'm... I'm, I'm watching and I and I love I love speaking to and hearing from younger people speak to me teach me because this is your world so what do I need to do to understand the way you think yes what do I need to understand why you do it that way why and I never accept something that's been always done the way it's been done just because and that's been me since before but I'm like tell me teach me because your mindset is so different from mine that it's interesting it is just so interesting and I don't necessarily take on board everything that you know other people say all the time, but I am genuinely understanding the world of business through non-traditional a non-traditional lens. I'm not doing what my parents did. I'm not doing it the way that they did. The world was different when they did it. You know everything. Um, someone said to me, "Oh, you know, yeah, you should. You know, when you're looking at your tax, do this." And I said, "Those tax rules changed about 15 years ago. You yeah. don't do it like that." So even the advice sometimes I get from people that are around me that are maybe older or have had their own businesses for a long time, well, it doesn't work like that anymore. So you have to stay current. Yeah, and that's a pressure. Yes. That's a pressure in itself. Yes, yes. I was just hearing that. You know, staying current is a great way of saying it. And and I'm hearing that your way of doing it is leaning in and getting even more curious. Which, yeah. is a, which is a strategy to pressure. Definitely, but it's hard. It's, it's not yeah. easy. And I like easy. <laughs> I like yeah. happy, easy stuff, simple stuff. And everyone makes everything today look easy, but no one's showing the behind the scenes. Like, can I see under the curtain? Because what's really going on behind there? It's like the Wizard of Oz, where you've got this yeah. massive wizard. And behind it's this person who's doing all this stuff. Like, how do you really do it? It looks so shiny. It looks so easy. Just do these three things and your business will be super successful. Yeah. No, it doesn't work like that. Like stop saying that out loud. Show me the real bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And ask and ask and ask. That's what I'm hearing is a real sense yeah. of learning um, to deal yeah, with the pressure. That learning is actually a galvanizing force as opposed to feeling like, okay, the pressure is I don't, I'm not relevant anymore. I love that word relevance as well. I'm not relevant anymore. The point that Tacita is making here is key. Staying current and remaining relevant can be a pressure. With the world changing so rapidly, learning faster really is the biggest competitive advantage. But how do we lean in and get curious in these moments to learn more when our urges and instincts are often bossing us to keep doing more of what we've always done? We have to keep looking up and looking out. This reminds me of the point that David Shelley, CEO of Hachette made when he spoke on the podcast. How important it is to lean into different sources across the business and ask questions to discover new insights, both internally and externally. Tacita knows that talking to younger people helps her business stay relevant. 
She says, speak to me, teach me, because this is your world. I love that idea. And it got me thinking. If I were to begin each week asking myself, how can I stay relevant and current? I would have to consider who I would reach out to. Who would I ask to speak to me, teach me, help me understand more? Hmm. In order to keep learning faster and to keep adapting, it's useful to also understand where our attention and energy is being spent each week or even each day. Here are three questions to help. One, how much of my time is spent running the business? Two, how much is spent on improving the business? Three, and how much is spent on future-proofing it? Chasita, if yeah. you were yeah. at the point of the podcast where you could pass two things forward to anybody listening to this podcast who would like to be better under pressure, from your experience and your world, what two things would you pass to them? The first thing I would say is understand what you do and how you as an individual, you and then your role impacts people. Because when you understand you are not necessarily your job, you're allowed then to perform better. And I say that because in the world of HR, we're always referred to as, I'll go and speak to HR. There's an individual behind the role. When you discover who you are as an individual, then I think you can do your role better. Don't become your role. Does that make sense? I think there's something in that for me that I've always allowed myself to be happy and be me and be my character. I just happen to be good at this stuff and that happens to be my job. I'm not my job. Therefore, I try not to take on the weight of the world that my job can have. I allow me to be me. So that's the first thing I'd say is, who are you? Why are you in this position? Why are you in this role? What matters? Is it about climbing a ladder and hierarchy? Is it about making as much money as you can? Is it about something totally different? Work out what that is, harness that and then do your job with that driving force. And I hope right. that that's a good tip, because that's what I always say to you when people say to me, how did you, I'm like, I, I genuinely was just me and I found something that I liked and I just kept doing that and I had my own goals and objectives as to where I wanted to be and kind of push through that way. My time scale is my time scale. Let your time scale be exactly that and don't be afraid to be speedy. So that's one thing I'd say. Yes. That answers your question. Second piece of advice I'd give is look for what pressure means to you because even the word we, we attach too much negativity to the word and I think the word has a lot of goodness in it I think that pressure whether it be external internal whatever the forces are for you there's going to be two sides to that look on the positive side of that as opposed to the negative side of that I'm not saying to dispel the fact that pressure can be negative and it, you know, it comes stress and you know, mental health. And I get all of that. <clears throat> that is definitely a reality. And I've seen it show up in the world of work so much. But I've also seen when you're able to flip it on its head and say, right, what is this about? Mm. How can I pause? How can I reuse this energy in a positive way? And that go back to the example where we're letting people go or we're doing difficult things or delivering difficult messages because everyone in HR loves a good bit. Salary increase, yay, you know, well-being days, woohoo. But there's some really difficult, tough conversations that you have to have around letting people go, disciplinaries, all the all the not nice stuff. That's a pressure because you're thinking, how can I 
the pressure can move tense to a positive. Let's do this with dignity. Let's do this in the right way. So the second thing is about whatever that pressure is for you, flip it if it's negative and find for you what could make that into a positive. Learning from it, not doing it again. Yeah. Um, removing yourself from it happening again. You know, looking to outside sources that can help you to realize little things. My son on Easter Sunday, I, yeah. just resign. Yeah. Oh, that's an option for me. Okay, it's not an option. I, I haven't got a job, but I'll give it a bit. Looking for things elsewhere, I think is is a good thing yes. in my eyes. So they're the two things I'd say. If you can do that, and if you can do it early on in your career, well done to you. But it's never too late. Brilliant. Desita, thank you so much. So much in there. Is that okay? Beautiful. Okay, yeah. Oh, bless that was a really so good much. conversation. I love Yay. that. No, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Now, that's not quite the end of the podcast. As I always do, I leave the interview recording while the guest and I break down how we thought the conversation had gone, what had been interesting, unexpected, and etc. etc. Given that my interview with Tasita took place during the week of International Women's Day, it seems appropriate that in the post-interview chat, she offered her observation about why she believes more and more women are setting up their own businesses. This is what she said, and I thought it was worth capturing. The thing about midlife crisis and the thing about menopause, right? And mm -hmm. there's hormonal stuff that's happening within. How do we help, you know, I see so many people at a certain point in their life starting their own businesses. And more and more women in their late 30s and 40s, late 40s and 50s are just going out on their own. And I always saw that when I was younger, as something that people just did, they get tired of the world of work. But some of that is around control. Some of that is around that power that I speak of. Don't have power here, I'm gonna go and have my own power. And I wish for everybody in employment to have that power, as well as going out and being a founder or, or starting your own business. But having it wherever you are is really important. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Better Under Pressure with me, Sarah Milne-Rowe. If you enjoyed it, please do subscribe and let us know what you found useful or what you'd like to know more about. Our aim is to share as many examples as possible of what people do to manage pressure for better. If you're interested in any of the practices mentioned, check out my book, The Shed Method. Alternatively, you can find us at Coaching Impact or me on LinkedIn and Instagram. Better Under Pressure was produced by the fab team at Smart Cookie Media. Thanks so much for listening and until next time, goodbye.